There we go. All right, Cliff. So happy to have you on. Not gonna lie, like it's I've been looking forward to this, man. Dude, I think it's really awesome that you're doing podcasting now. I like that you're leaning into your interests. Like, we met because we have a mutual love of Survivor, and obviously we love other things, too. You love sports. I love comedy. You know, we're both business builders, both dads, so it was great to be able to hop on this and, like, just shoot the shit with you today. I'm really pumped about it. Hell yeah. So, everybody, welcome to uh, the Build Different podcast. This is what we're going to call a different conversation because it has nothing to do with sports has nothing to do with us being high off life. So it's just going to be a different conversation. <laughs> so today, <laughs> I, I mean, got Clifford We, we can kick sports a bit if you want. You're wearing a Canadian jersey. I got re- to respect that. Yeah, man. I wore it just for you. So and this, this is, is my Myers. sport, grocery stores. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> As you guys could tell, he's a comedian. He's a Canadian comedian. And I, I was telling people that I was going to do this. And the moment I said Canadian comedian, they just laughed. They just understood, which I love. <laughs> okay, which it's I good. love. No one really, no one really asked for any like, oh, why are you doing this? They were just like, oh, comedian from Canada. That's just that's funny. It it, it is a little bit. But well, you know, how you doing, man? I'm I'm doing good, man. Like, and that's the thing. Like, you're talking about being built different. I sometimes think that like Canadian comics are built a little different. You know, in terms of we have a much smaller <laughs> population. Like, our population's less the size of California, <laughs> our entire country. Right? Jesus. So, you gotta imagine you have a full country of comedians that's performing for this small sample size in the worst weather conditions, and it just generates like a good crop of weirdos. Like, I really love the comics here. <laughs> I was just saying, there, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of space for not a lot of people. I like, I've never been to Canada, but one thing I appreciate, oh, about, appreciate about Canada is it's, it's big. There's not too many people. Um, it's kind of like an escape from America in, in a way. <laughs> you know, at, like, it's such a weird concept that every time shit's going down in America, people are like, yo, we got to get to Canada. And that makes <laughs> no sense. It's like everything you love about America, you're going to hate it here. Well, like, you, you don't get guns. That's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to get to be a thing. You're not going to really be able to afford for a place to live. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like it is like you talk about like New York prices and L.A. prices, Canada kind of no matter where you go, it's crazy just of how much like our shipping and supply takes. Everything requires more in Canada. So everything costs more. And it's just like uh, I really feel like Americans have this strange skewed idea of what Canada actually is. And we're supposed to be your little brother. You treat us like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, we just we treat Mexico like garbage for whatever. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, we're treated better than Mexico. Okay, I will give like, you that. Just, <laughs> like just Canada, just it, Canada just gets to exist, and I never understood this either. Well, I mean, I kind of get it, you know history, but, but like Canada just gets to exist in the north. No, we don't bother them. We actually, we, we love Canada. We love the idea of Canada. You know, Toronto, you know, that's where the most beautiful women in the world are. That's what they say. Yeah. Um, and then just Mexico is just, like, all the stories you hear about Mexico is, if you go there, you die. It's, it's shitty. <laughs> you only want to go to the, the travel locations, like, the, the very specific tourist spots. Like, they treat Mexico, and I'm, listen, I'm not saying this is what I know or facts, but this is what I'm told. It's like the wild, wild west in Mexico, so... Is it the wild, uh, wild west in Canada? 
<laughs> the wild wild north no definitely not like in in that regard i also don't really think mexico is fully right like i think that's probably a little bit of a skewed perspective i've been to mexico it's a party it's a good time you go off the beaten path it gets weird suddenly you don't have a finger <laughs> that happens but you still have a memory so what are you complaining about, Thomas? Mem- right, right. <laughs> memory. There you go. There you go. Right. Um, so- like I wouldn't say that it's like like yeah, it's not like Wild Wild West up here per se, but it's definitely like it's more contained, right? We got like a kind of like right. we have a prime minister that like leans into rules. He kind of likes them. You know, like, and like during the pandemic, they were like, yeah, we get to change the rules daily. <laughs> they were like so stoked. <laughs> like I would hear like my relatives complain like, oh, they tell us we can't do this now. We have to be this far apart. We have to wear seven masks and a diaper on our face. What are we going to do? And then like every day I'm like, I am on season three of BoJack. I don't need to deal with these problems. I don't oh use toilet God. paper. <laughs> because <laughs> everyone stole it so like my my ex-wife left a ba- she left a bag of her socks behind so we worked that out and uh <laughs> god <laughs> we're off to the races no dude covid like real quick about covid that was a crazy fucking time man because i i remember like like i was like you you know i have i have tv I have video games, um, the places where I was working, you know, I could work at home um, or I could do my business at home. So I didn't really care. I just I love not being around, you know, idiots. But then when I did go outside and I did go to the store, there'd be like these people like I remember there was this couple and they had like trash bags on them, like with tape. Oh, yeah, like oh my god! Like they taped trash, ca- like or not trash cans, uh, trash bags. Like trash bags. Were they, tra- were they trying to lose yeah. weight? Trying to make their weight for a big fight on Saturday? What were they trying to do? I don't know. When the, there was like uh, this other couple where they had like they had like the face shields, and then they had like it almost looked like a helmet that they had on the way they had it set up because they had like a towel or something that covered this, and then they had like two face masks, and then they had these really big gloves. I was like, well, why even come outside at that point? <laughs> like, that is that, that's such a funny image because it's like they're creating this idea of germ armor. Right, like, like this this armor will protect me from germs. I am a germ knight. <laughs> right, like COVID won't get me. <laughs> there, there's a thing online if you look up like uh, basically makeshift costumes or uh, things that people wore during the pandemic. It's hilarious. But there's people like beekeeper helmets on. Yes, yes, and it's all true. Like it's not an exaggeration. Like, no, the steps that some people took to try to like stay away from it. I get it. It was what it was, you know, COVID was, you know, a scary thing, but it's like if you went back 10 years ago and you just explain what was going to happen, it's just funny all the way around because it starts with, you know, the disease possibly being made in China, whatever. Then it comes to USA. No one knows how to handle it at all. Like the president, nobody, nobody knows what to do. So it just gets horrible, really, really horrible. People dress up um, and then there's a vaccine that's made that doesn't really help anybody. Um, it, it was like it just it just keeps on going and then it's just done and then out of nowhere it, it's done and everyone moves on well the the funny thing about that is like you know so in comedy we there's a phrase right like so time plus tragedy equals comedy so like after yes. enough time has passed of something really shitty happening you're gonna find a way to laugh at it and that's right. kind of like the rule for all things really and i i carry that on my back because like 
the pandemic was especially strange for me because I was like, I was lucky that I got a, like a work from home job before the pandemic. I wanted to take it on the road with me. Right. So that was like my thinking. I was like, oh, people can work from home. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, ah, I'm Gucci. All right. Perfect. Right. (laughs) And I do believe people will look back at the pandemic times as like, like, uh, like the, the way we look back on the office. Like, oh, that was such a satire of its time. Like, the yeah. pandemic was a gigantic satire. And it it's it's really funny seeing, like, people, like, really going to war for things they know nothing about. On all sides. And, that's, and, that's, and it was, was so exactly funny. It. it was just perfect. Because, like I said, you know, with the, with the vaccine or with the overtime and everything, it's just so many people formed so many fucking opinions. <laughs> and then there was just me. I was... I was going to the gas station to fill up on some really cheap gas and just drive for no reason so that I can come back and and just spend like that was like my addiction during the pandemic was literally going to a gas station, paying like twenty dollars to fill my whole gas tank and then just driving aimlessly to come back and do it again. (laughs) That was that was literally like my biggest hobby then. And it was nice just being away from people, you know, getting to like. Because some people got to benefit from the pandemic. Like if you invested in the right stocks, you did the right things and everything. It was it was good stuff. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I mean, I know I know a lot of people died. I know everything happened, but it was, it was the time. way it was you just said that. I, I know that people died. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it was Listen, it was a time to be alive. There there was people passing out in the street. I know. <laughs> There was people out there in full hazmat suits and like, uh, you know, like it, it's, it's very interesting because like, uh, even like the people that capitalized during the pandemic, I don't know how great that is. Right. I'm not sure how great at the end of the day, years from now, uh, how people are going to fully feel about that. Right. Like I, I was part of a company that did really well during the pandemic and the moment it was going not so well. A lot of people lost their jobs, and that was just a reality, not yeah. just for my company, but companies across the board. Yeah, I mean, I work, I worked at Spectrum, and they kind of the same thing happened. Like yep. the, they benefited and thrived through COVID, but once that beneficial period ended, and the stock got you know cut in half again, and you know, and then they got sued because you know some guy decided to go kill an old lady, and then they covered. Oh it up no! And, uh, it, 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 the Spectrum was madness. All I don't know. It just like. One day it was perfect, and then the next day it was like World War Three, and the job just got really, really bad, and just declined and declined and declined and declined. Yeah, I but... can, I, I can imagine. Like the human, the human part of me is like, oh man, that sucks. I think you're gonna look back on that and regret. I don't think you're gonna feel good about letting those people lose their jobs where you could have probably kept them to some degree, right? That's the human part of me. Yeah. The other part of me that like can reduce things to. Uh, some context right context of the times context to conversations that may happen behind closed doors things that we don't know all that kind of stuff i try to reserve judgment a little bit because i don't want to think that the people that are making these decisions are just reckless i don't want to believe that right Right? i want to they're in their positions for a reason i have have friends that still work for those companies you know and like i want them to thrive in those environments i want them to be able to be promoted to be able to have their skills seen for to be able to grow to be able to lead i think that shit's amazing you know and so it's like obviously this big uh the, the layoffs that happened in 2022 were so impactful 
But I also look back and I'm like, hey, I didn't really capitalize during the pandemic. I didn't, uh, you know, I more so went the opposite direction. Like I was going through a divorce. I couldn't do stand up. So the thing I love the most in the world was just like taken away. Right. And so I, I shifted to going, I'm going back to school. That's what my experience at, like, anyone looking this up can see who I work for. So I'll just be blunt. It's Shopify. But, like, my experience at Shopify, uh, I, I was a pure education. I was learning things I would have never learned otherwise, like how to be resourceful, uh, how to have difficult conversations, how to come, like, basically find an answer when no one knows the answer. And that skill set set me up for success bro like i'm now set you know i'm working really hard on building my own business it's been almost a year it's been tough as shit but if i didn't have all those conversations with those entrepreneurs during the pandemic like seeing firsthand shops going under people moving all their inventory to their kitchen tables trying to figure out how to go online when they've been in business 40 years and never touched an online store let alone they didn't buy a vibrator off of amazon you know they don't know shit dude or like literally ordering a fucking martini kit from fucking applebee's you got it (laughs) right like like everything (laughs) do they do that in america you get a martini's Uh, kit from applebee's dude i it was my birthday and i normally always (laughs) spent it at applebee's so i wanted to go to applebee's but it was like they were only doing delivery orders because of the pandemic so oh wow. like pickup orders so i went and i was like well hey you know do are you guys doing anything alcohol related and they were like yeah we got martini uh kits and and they had, they had some other kind of drink kits and i was just like yeah i'll, t- I'll take one of those <laughs> i'll absolutely take that's one. so funny like that's a we never thought like people would be mailing like delivering martini kits right <laughs> like and this is okay here's a true story uh, during the pandemic someone that i uh that I was uh, worked with, uh, <laughs> like we were, we were homies and I, I won't say like who they were or anything like that, but um, they would send me hot sauce in the mail. Uh, and on the bottom of that hot sauce was acid taped underneath like, like tabs of acid LSD on the yeah. bottom of hot sauce. So like these mail people, like for the Canada post are probably like, Oh man, this guy loves hot sauce. Right, because <laughs> during the pandemic, I was getting a few jars of hot sauce. <laughs> because, oh my god! And I never touched this beforehand or anything, but like I was listening to so many podcasts and stuff, I was like, "Well, if there is any time to try psychedelics, I feel like yes. the pandemic's it." You know, so what for were, me. What was your What was your experience like? I've had a few different experiences now and like I've uh with both LSD and shrooms and funny enough one of the craziest trips I ever had wasn't on LSD it was on shrooms and like you know like have you ever seen uh that Quaalude scene in Wolf of Wall Street where they try yes. to yes they try to get to the car yeah and he thought he thought he was driving fucking perfectly yeah 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 yeah. so that like i did like four g's of uh shrooms and that happened to me where i'm like on the ground talking to my cat but you gotta learn english now get help (laughs) i I can't oh no i'm gonna die talking to a cat Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I think I tried, I think I tried acid like a little, no, I think it was during the pandemic. Yeah. And it was that I didn't have a crazy experience with shrooms. Like, shrooms was like, for me, it was like I became a simp for comfort. 
Like mm. it was crazy. Like I just wanted to be comfortable. And once I got that comfort, like it was just like, like it, it was just, it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt was on shrooms when I finally, cause I was like, I was so aggravated for like 30 minutes straight. You know, you know how like a cat or no, a dog, you know how a dog will like circle in a pillow and like scratch. Oh that, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. They're not doing anything at all. That was like me in my bed. I was like tossing and turning, going in a circle, like just setting everything up and laying back down again. And then finally, once I reached that comfort, it was the most beautiful feeling I have ever felt. Dude, it was just, it was, it was nice. That, that can be very much the same on uh, LSD though. So like I, I, I tell people, yeah. you know what the best thing, like when like, this is why when people are trying to vilify or put fear into drugs and they're like, oh, don't do LSD. It's bad. You know, uh, when they're trying to do that, <laughs> I'm like, do you know what the greatest thing is when you're on LSD? The greatest thing, a breeze. You ever have a breeze, like a good breeze, I, a nice, cool breeze? I went out. Um, It's funny because right when it kicked in, like about an hour after we all decided to, we had two sober friends with us and they were going to drive us just to go okay. on a drive and then come back. And then the moment we got outside, one of the scariest things happened, which was everything zoomed. Even though I was right behind everybody, everything zoomed out. <laughs> so oh, guys. But then all of a sudden, a wind came through. It, exactly like you said, a breeze, like a, a wind. It was like winter. It, it started snowing. Like and then the, like the wind came through, and I was just like, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe I should be alone. And all of a sudden, like one of my friends just grabbed me, and <laughs> we just kept going. <laughs> oh, I would be in my front lawn with my hands in the grass like this, and I'm feeling the breeze. And I'm just like saying that my, and I have a neighbor walk by and be like, Cliff, you okay? And I'd be like, I'm good. <laughs> you want to help me order chicken wings? I forget how to use a phone. Oh you know? my God. Yeah. Phone, phones were just crazy. Like never look at a phone like, when you're on that shit. Once. <laughs> only took acid once. That was, that was a couple years ago during the pandemic. And I know I didn't really have like that, that comfortable experience. I just had like a, it was just balls to the wall almost the whole way through. Like the first hour was bad. I was like confronted by all my demons and everything I hated about myself yeah, yeah, and yeah. everything I hated about life. But once that was over, I think because my friend played some Hotel California video, some trippy Hotel California video, and that changed my whole trip into. Then that's why it's my favorite song. Like it just changed oh. my whole trip into one of the greatest things ever. Because all of a sudden, finally, everything started getting crazy and wavy and. My friend yeah, handed yeah, me yeah. shoes and they were like the, the size of this AirPod case. And I was like, I can't fit those. <laughs> it was just, it was great. Well, I loved it. And then it was I, beautiful. I have a bit of a theory, right? Like, I feel like every single day when we wake up, we have a lot of tasks and obligations and things that we want to do, don't want to do. You know, there's a lot on our plates. But the core question I think everyone's constantly asking is, who am I? Right? Like, who am I? Yeah. Who am I as a person? What do I stand for? Who am I to my neighbors, my yeah. community? Who am I to my partner, my kids? Right? Like, this is really, like, kind of like the ongoing question. And I'm like, well, if you want to really get into that question, then you should consider psychedelics. Because yeah. it's going to make you kind of go face-to-face -face with the worst part of – the worst answers in that question. When you ask who exactly. are you and you have to face the bad stuff. Right. Like yeah. the stuff that might be like, oh, that's a part of my past. I felt really ugly and I feel a lot of shame for that. And you know when I mean? you turn that and when you turn that bad part of the trip into a good part, you feel so strong because, you know, you could overcome all that stuff. 
well, not only that you can overcome it, but that the past doesn't have bearing on the present, right? Like you can you choose go. to be better right now, right now. You can choose yeah. to go lift a weight right now, write a joke right now. And then right. that's what it was like. Acid was just such a mind unlocking experience, which is why I only had to do it once because I got so much out. Like it was just such a mind opening experience. And then again, every time I've taken shrooms, I haven't really had the, um, you know, the like you said, like, you know, life, you know, you kind of, you know, the realness of everything. Mm. Um, but it, it still unlocked my mind. It made me feel really free. It really, it, it helps. The, like this stuff helps. It, it does depend on your dosage too. I tend to go with heroic dosages. So like <laughs> I, I tend to be a big boy, right? So I dive in, but like, <laughs> I also have a higher tolerance on most things than most people. One thing I don't, I don't drink anymore. Like I'm California sober. So like I will partake in edibles. Okay. You know, I uh, agree with psychedelics. It's not like a thing I do often. Uh, the last time I did shrooms was the Super Bowl, and looking at Rihanna dressed as a lobster when you're on shrooms, what a party. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so like there there's and like I was having a good time with some great people that night um but like what it came down to is uh I started like when I lost my family, when I was going through a divorce and then I've inevitably lost my job and you know all these things are making me ask that question. Like who are you? Who are you? Who are you? And that question is different. Like other people will answer that question differently. Right? Oh, so yeah. you can only answer it for yourself. So for me I, I had to come to like, well, I think who are you is answered by who do you want to be, right? I think if yeah. you answer that question, then you just decide that's who you yeah. are, right? I think that's kind yeah. of how it has to work. Yeah, that's fair. I like you know, that. So, so like for me, I want to be, I want to be a, a comedian that really delights audiences and makes them want to come back and enjoy and keep supporting comedy. But I also want to be a comedian that supports my community that makes like comedy in Canada better. I really I have this big mission that I want to make sure every comedian in Canada has good groceries. It's, that's my mission, okay. man. Like I like I, I like understand for 14 years, I've been seeing people come into the mics. Everyone, anyone from any walk of life can come to the mic. They come from addiction, abuse, trauma, uh, like being unemployed, being unhoused. I've, you know, we've seen it all. And I feel like when you have all these marginalized people that kind of find the same place, the same way, they like to laugh and they want to make others laugh, you know, I would yeah. like to create more support systems there. You know, I want to be the kind of person that helps those people get health benefits that helps those people like, uh, you know, uh, heal from addiction or be able to get the help they need to heal from addiction. Uh, you know, being able to help comedians with ADHD apply for grants, you know, like stuff like that, that I don't think a lot of people are taking in consideration. That. That's yeah. the man I want to be. I want to see my son, looking up to his dad who's standing up for his community standing up for like the people that he fights for and that like hopefully i like you know my little guy can be that passionate about something one day too i don't know what it is i don't care what it is i just hope that whatever it is he's going to put himself 100 percent into Well, this is the part of the show where i just talk to thomas's chair so thomas's chair what is it like holding thomas's butt it looks like a little butt not a big badonk right i don't think he's packing cake in there but he's definitely you know a little, a little slim and slender i can't imagine he's too odorous maybe a maybe a, a slight musk of hamburger helper from last night's 
uh, late night excursions, whatever he gets up to. We already know that he goes on long country drives on LSD. So we're learning a lot about him today. And I think that we're all going to really benefit from uh, hearing directly from the chair what it's like being so close to Thomas's butt all the time. So I hand it over to the chair. Oh, I don't really like it that much, to be honest. I wasn't really expecting this question. I, uh... <laughs> 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 to be honest, it's not ever up. Oh, he's back. Okay. Hey. <laughs> you had a conversation <laughs> with my chair. <laughs> Did you hear that? Like, I just. In on that, you know, what we want to be part and who we are. And I think it's huge because, yeah, I know we were getting this from psychedelics. Like, it's crazy. The psychedelics leads us to this. It definitely helped facilitate that. Yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, for me, it's like, I, I think we're kind of similar. I mean, I don't I don't want to be a comedian. Well, I don't know if I want to be a comedian yet. That could be something <laughs> that's like a hidden passion of mine that I don't know about yet. Um, but I'm huge on like, you know, I want to laugh. I want to make other people laugh. Like, that's literally me. And I see that through my daughter, which is the beautiful thing. Like her main thing, like literally all day is to just like walk around and try to like make me laugh or make me happy. And it's like. I love that because that's yeah. that's what I truly want to be. And I get to see that through her. Um, and, you know, on that that question, like, what do you want to be? It's just it's a huge question in life that I really wish like more people kind of gravitated towards figuring out, which is, you know, I didn't know that acid was going to do that for me. But I found out a lot about myself through acid. And it's it's just a crazy sentence to say. But <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, to yeah. be honest, being being able to reflect on it as a parent, too, you have to realize that one day your your little girl's going to be asking herself that same question. Right. Right. And so, like, when we're looking at self-reflection, when we're looking at like actualization or whatever you want to call this stuff, right, like just becoming the person you want to be. Uh, like you kind of have to reverse engineer it a bit and be able to like really understand the experience you went through. So like you asked me like what got me into comedy, like what initially got me into comedy was brokenness, right? Like shit wasn't working out. I didn't know what to do. I've always been funny. And I like, I headed to a stage. It was aimlessness. It was like just this sense of wanting to belong, wanting to connect. And then quickly, it, it, oh, this attention feels nice. Mm, right. I, oh, I'm the only voice in the room. And then, like, <laughs> I, that was actually probably when I started really discovering, like, me, who I thought was a pretty humble person, who I thought was kind of gracious, was actually quite egotistical, kind of full of myself. I, I, there was points in my early career, I would walk into the room with bravado. Uh, like, you know, like, like everyone was there to see me. If I was hosting a show, all the other comics were commercial breaks. And I feel like the, this air that I had about me really created resentment in some peers. You know what I mean? It created rifts with people that I genuinely really like and wanted to work with. And that kind of uncomfortableness was so necessary for where I am right now. Right. Like if I didn't go through all that and wasn't able to look back on it, reflect on it and now be different going forward, I wouldn't have known what to do. And I'm so much more clear because I know how to look back and walk through. So like going back to what you're saying about your daughter, when she's hitting that wall, you know, she's 19 years old and she's just like, I don't know what, who I am, what I stand for, what I'm going to do. If I'm going to go to school, what I'm going to do for a job, who I'm going to date. Right. Like, I don't know anything. And then you can go back, you can go to her and be like, let me tell you when I also didn't know a goddamn thing. And let me tell you how uncomfortable that was and what that looked like. 
Yeah. And like for for me because you know my my parents like you know I love my parents uh but they weren't like you know they weren't wealthy they weren't really you know like life people they just chilled and raised me and my sister and just existed and and like you know not knowing what you want to do or not knowing too much about the earth has been such a beautiful experience getting to know now rather than at a younger age mm. um because like now like it's even something as simple as like car insurance like I didn't know a goddamn thing about car insurance until I had like a $900 bill um, <laughs> of a lapse, a lapse in policy that I had. I was like, what the fuck? But um, bro, it's just, it's beautiful. Like not knowing what you want to do in life. And for the people out there that really don't know what they want to do it with your life, it's beautiful. Cause you're going to try a whole bunch of things. You're, you're going to try a whole bunch of things. You know, you're, you're going to see a lot of people. You're going to do uncomfortable things. You're going to do comfortable things. I honestly, I love that I didn't really know what I want to do. And I still, I, I still can't really tell you what the fuck I want to do in life besides, you know, just I'm, I'm starting to figure it out. Like now I got a podcast. And I'm entertaining I was going to say, you're, you're following a, the crowd. It, it can be beautiful. Yeah, it, be it beautiful is beautiful. You what you want to do. It, no, it absolutely is. Like, I, I think it's... Uh, really important message like actually like what you're saying in the middle there about try a bunch of things like i think so many people think oh the thing i'm trying is the thing that's going to be or and if it's not going to be then i fail right and it's like sometimes things have a different shelf life than what you think and uh very rarely right. do outcomes meet our expectations i actually have never seen that happen right like maybe if you're a dart player Ever. you you know how to hit the middle <laughs> so you know what i mean like right. even then sometimes you miss it but like in my experience like i thought i think there was one point where i was like oh yeah i want to i want to be the next chris farley that's it i want to run in and smash tables and yell and that you know there's gonna be a real fun time <laughs> and then uh you know and that didn't really work out and then i was like okay then what if i did this oh, oh, oh i'm gonna be the next best survivor player you ever seen i'm gonna be uh, a russell hands dressed as a rupert goddamn let's go right <laughs> like and then it's like oh no cliff you're you're out of your mind what you want about and then it's like now i'm building a business oh okay what are you trying to be steve jobs and comedy bro fuck off right what, what are you doing right and what i realized is like well comedy taught me how to be uncomfortable in a immediate feedback environment and survivor taught me how to gamify struggle how to have difficult conversations and connect to people who don't want the same thing as you. Um, it and taught to give, me, yeah. To, to give a little bit of context real quick, my for apologies sure. for cutting you off, Cliff. Um, but Survivor. So Survivor is a game, um, well, it's, it's a real life thing where, you know, they'd send a real like life 16, show. 18, 20 people out onto an island. Um, they have to not only survive the, you know, the nature and not eating and not drinking, you know, as much as they, you know, comfortable cold water that they would normally drink at home. Yeah, they get all their comforts um, then taken they would away. Also, yeah. And, and then and then also at the same time, it's actual relationships with people because you're stuck with these people. You have to build with them, but also you have to vote them out. You have to rob them from a million dollars. And um, they're the people that vote for you to win the million dollars. Yeah, and, then, and then at the end, it's like a sick twist where all the people that you said, no, you don't deserve a million dollars. Now they're trying to tell you if you deserve a million dollars. So what me and Clifford did is we played this game online um, in, a, in a beautiful community. And that's kind of how we, we got to know each other. But yeah, no, Survivor is like, 
actually playing it online and actually having to deal with people's, you know, other people's emotions. Um, Strangers, the, people you ego. didn't know. Yeah. Right. Dro- dropping your ego so that you can deal with people. Like, it really, it helped me. Yeah, it definitely helped me, you know, deal with people and it, that's that's the beauty of survivor i well, love survivor I, and that's the thing we're yeah. playing like this online you know version of this much more difficult experience but i think we got a lot of the same life lessons because of the mechanism where only right. one person can win right yeah. so life isn't like that life isn't zero sum life is positive sum you and i can both win but in survivor you and i don't get to both win Right. Yeah. And so people change. People change when they're in those situations. And the, what we, what I learned from that is in life, when someone has a scarcity mindset and they don't believe that there's room for everyone at the table, they will default to zero sum thinking. And that zero sum thinking will make them basically like exhibit bad behavior. Right. They'll do things that they won't even be proud of themselves. Right. Like we see it all the time. People do things for their advantage that just kind of hurt their character, hurt their standing with their community. You know, that kind of shit. We see it all the time. And my whole movement into creating the other comedy company was this idea that I don't think we need to be educated more on how to write an essay or how to, you know, uh, do this kind of math equation per se, especially with AI. That's going to help us a lot there. Would you would you believe me if I told you I failed? english class once for sure like the only the only <laughs> class i ever the only class i ever failed in high school was english class really i felt <laughs> science and like the, the the education system's not equipped to actually uh to touch what makes people people right we, like, we don't learn about uh we don't practically learn about emotional intelligence in schools we don't learn how to be comfortable how to accept opinions that are different than ours which is so crazy but i i, yeah. I get it um, because we need the the reason why I like school the way it is. Um, I mean, I don't I don't like it. I don't, I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm a fan of you know public education because I'm not. I think they teach a lot of bullshit. But the reason why I like it is because you know what it does is that the the world does need those brainless people. Like it, that's not a lie. Like the the world needs. And I don't I don't mean brainless as an insult. I mean brainless as in the people that actually go to work, you know, brainlessly and they can do the nine to five, you know, week after week and actually supply what each and every community needs, like, you know, the basic fast food, um, you know, the stores that we have. Like we actually need those people. So I like that, you know, when people go to school, they learn that. But then there's also the other side of it, of the people that break out of that. And, you know, the, the people that, you know, come up with so many beautiful ideas. So this is fun because I do disagree to a degree, but I want to explain yeah, sure. what I what I disagree with. And like basically like the factory farm situation that we have in schools initially, like if you look at photos in the 1920s, all the kids sitting facing forward, right, like in right. the same direction. It actually doesn't take into consideration the psychology of learning. And the psychology right. of learning is really environment based, right? Like building your environment. And the thing is, is we all have different personality types. So there's like a thing online uh, that you can look up called Enneagrams. And Enneagrams are ways of basically breaking down people into between one to eight personality types. And okay. so if you have eight, so let's, let's just say that's like the way it is for now, right? Let's just use it as an example that there's eight personality types. Well, eight personality types in one kind of environment doesn't work. Because you're like technically would need eight different environments for eight different personality types to be able to make them thrive or one environment that is built for all eight personality types. 
right? So you have a round circle in the middle for the collaborators and the leaders, but the people that are more introverted have sound canceling headphones in a private space or a booth to go away. Some people have more of a tactile station where they get to use their hands and problem solve, right? Like we don't actually build this way. We don't build education systems this way. What I'm trying to do, which is uh, coming in from the side sort of thing is I'm doing this in the corporate training where we're trying to teach people how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, how to be more curious, ask better questions, you know, like these kind of things that really aren't taught in those environments. Am I saying that the school system as it is, is a complete flop? Absolutely not. But I also just went on a reptile trip, a uh, reptile zoo trip with my kid, and I didn't learn a fucking thing. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I'm all I'm saying is there significant room for improvement that would make a huge impact on yeah. future kids and future generations? The, I really believe that. And at the same time, that's why I believe like, you know, do, do I, again, like, do I, do I agree with public schooling the way it is now? Absolutely not. I think it absolutely should be beautiful and better, but the fact that it's not, it leads to people like you, Clifford, that come well, up with the beautiful, the beautiful ideas, like the one that you that you have and that you're currently, you know, putting a lot into, um, and that and that's the beauty of it. And then the people that don't, you know, necessarily have that. I, I don't want to really necessarily. They don't have that creativity, but they don't want to use that creativity that that's brewing inside of them. They contribute or, to the world. Or they're going to use it for something different per se, right? Like one of the things that like we have to understand is the power of dissatisfaction. All great things happen from being dissatisfied, right? Like, exactly. like exactly. I can't get across this river. Oh, I just came up with a bridge, right? Like that's literally <laughs> like – yeah. that's the whole thing so like obviously where i'm coming from is a place of dissatisfaction in the education system i'm dissatisfied for a lot of reasons because i think it sucks that people can't get jobs because they don't know how to read and the thing i don't agree with brainless because i even think no matter what your position yeah, that is was a little extreme i apologize no that's okay <laughs> bro no no i understood what you meant by it though right you need people to do the jobs with ai and with robotics I do think job elimination will be kind of uh, strategic in a sense that people will be left to more creative roles, more things that AI can't do, can't accomplish, right? More people-to-people -people roles, more like uh, engineering-type roles. And that kind of stuff, it, if everyone's getting kind of siphoned into different categories i actually think that gives a lot of freedom for personal expression creativity outside of your work creativity outside of yeah simply what you're doing at, and like we can create better systems to empower those people so if you're in fast food maybe there's a bursary system in place that like you know you're around for a certain amount of time and then you get a two thousand dollar kickback to put into your interest or your lifestyle or you know that kind of thing so you can reinvest in yourself individually that's why i actually pay comedians so high like when I do my corporate products, I like I give them quite a large percentage of it. And the reason why is because that's an opportunity they get right there to reinvest in themselves. So you you hand over six hundred bucks, fifteen hundred dollars to a comedian, that's new podcast equipment. That's a good groceries to get their mind right, help them get to their sobriety. You know, whatever it is, pay off a bill that's just been at you for four months. You know, and like, I don't think we have systems like that. I don't think we really have um, people necessarily advocating for that either internally. I think anyone that cares about that is people affected by the system, not people in control of it. 
right? And so where I come in is I think it's really important to have conversations like this, that we just talk about it. I think this is the starting point. You know, where we literally just let's talk about the issues in a real way and then have smarter people listening come up with better answers. There you right? go. Like, like, because <laughs> yeah. I know I don't have the answers. I fucking know. I've been at this for 11 months. I know. I do not know the answers. Right. Someone will give you the answers. But I know I, I know the importance of doing the work, of going for it, for trying. The thing is, is like the one thing you're going to learn, anyone that's at all interested in getting involved in stand-up comedy, I muscle through it. Because if you do, you will learn resilience and grit like nothing. Like nothing. Nothing's going to teach you grit like stand-up comedy. Like maybe the military, <laughs> you know, but then like got to do the whole killing someone thing and i don't know if you want to do being that door to door listen I, I would argue being a door to door salesman is up there on that that door to door salesman do those still exist i am one door right now i'd be like i didn't order skip the dishes the fuck's your problem <laughs> no, dude that's that that's me like this like door, i'm a door to door salesman yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, you know you can just like have a linkedin bot and reach out to people right like what do you want about <laughs> no i mean it it's fun though i like it like, like you get you get your old people that are like nah, get away from me or, yeah yeah yeah, yeah the people course. that'll have like a five minute conversation about absolutely nothing like i walked up to this guy's house one day and talked about his garden gnome and i somehow carried a 10 minute conversation about gardening just for Dude. him at the end to tell me he wasn't interested in what I was there for and then just left. I was like, so okay, well. I, I've done door-to-door salesman and stuff. And, like, here's the thing. I was selling Bibles. <laughs> I was literally a Bible door-to-door salesman. And I did it for a very short period of time. But I so it's, I met, the audacity, right? Like, the audacity to go to someone's door and be like, not sure if you belong to this religion yet, but <laughs> you slowly raise the Bible. <laughs> this new, this NIV version of the Bible, <laughs> new international version, you are going to love it. None of that King James bullshit from the past. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> goddamn. I was an Avon lady for a little bit, too. Like I'm not sure if you have that in America. Like it's like no, a, yeah, no, because my si- my sister was an Avon. <laughs> I know, like I'm pretty sure I could have said I was an Avon guy, but I just love saying Avon lady because that's right. just what I call that role. And whenever people would ask me, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm having a." I I remember I was I threw a Tupperware party in this like really dank basement I lived in. So <laughs> it was party? I, I threw what... this Tupperware. No, so they had the they had like it wasn't just Tupperware. They had some jewelry and throws and stuff like that. But I was really going for the Tupperware because it was a better price kind of situation. Yeah. And, and uh, <laughs> so I, so I was in this like dank ass basement. Like you had a duck in. You went in through the garage, and it was me and six old Portuguese ladies, just like <laughs> in my room, my like my bedroom. I had it like on the bed, like the Tupperware on the bed. <laughs> like that's how bonkers. Like my sales experience, and I am not a good salesperson. Like I cannot manage to sell Tupperware to Portuguese women in my bedroom. So like I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, bro? <laughs> a Tupperware party with six Portuguese women with Tupperware on your bed. That is. Oh, that is one of the 
<laughs> Dude, that's why I, th- I think the work we do is some of the funniest shit in the world, right? Like, I was a mall Easter bunny. I worked in group homes. I used to wipe asses and take punches. Like, I've, like, oh. I've kind of done it all, bro. Like, and having a varied life experience makes me way happier than specializing, sticking to one thing. And then just being real good at that one thing, I'm like, yeah. I'm really happy that I'm a little bit more fragmented in my life. Yeah, and that that's kind of what keeps you know my happiness uh, going because like, you know, for for example, you know, at my old job that I was there for like three years. By that third year, I was just so miserable. I was so I was so just like, ah, I don't want to be here and everything. But I was pretty good at it. I was really good at it. Like if I would have stuck with it, gotten out of my feelings um you know been inhuman i would have probably really thrived and climbed up the ladder there uh but it's like i just i love doing a whole bunch of different things and exploring my talents and everything like right now i'm a fucking i'm a door-to-door salesman selling fucking solar and trying to get these these fuckers to at least sit down with my expert for 20 minutes and then i got like a financial business and and you know I'm, I'm running this podcast. I'm, I'm having fun. I, you're I you're have doing the things. Way. You're doing the things, bro. And that's the thing. Like I, I said it earlier that you're following crumbs, right? Like sometimes yeah. the, like we leave a little trail for ourselves to follow, and then we're like, okay, what's this? I'm gonna go into the forest and see where we go here. And that's the thing. If you're going off the, if you're going into the unclear path. I think things become significantly more clear. Like I honestly think, because yeah. like, you create the clearing. You learn a lot. Yeah. You learn a lot by going on that unclear path. Oh, like, dude! It, it, and like, it's really it, it's funny that you you know you're doing like all these things because like, um, when I look back, I'm like, okay, what if? What if? Uh, like once upon a time. So like, I'm not sure if I mentioned this at the beginning, but my very first what I was trying to do was I went to Bible college to be a pastor. <laughs> okay? okay, and I got okay. expelled for running around naked. Okay, so let's. <laughs> what? So we're gonna, we, yeah. Okay, we're gonna get that out of the way. All right, now you know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then I'll I talked. I talked my way back in, and I, like I went through an appeal process. In the next semester, I reattended that school, and that's where I met the woman that eventually became my wife, who eventually became the mother of my child. Right. And uh, like but, what I so what you ran yeah. around naked in a yep. Bible school, and they still let your your ass back. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was my first time playing Survivor. Was having that conversation. I talked. My, I, I literally fucking... talked my way back into the school. I have that a win. I have like a witness too. To fame. I, that I would have a witness. Be my claim to fame. I would sit there and tell everyone, "Yeah, you know, I went to Bible school and I got naked, got kicked out, but I got, I talked my way back." <laughs> well, the, so the dude I got expelled with, he's beside me. He shows up in a full suit. He's got, a, you know, he's got the tie, the collar shirt. I show up in bright red gym shorts and an MXPX t-shirt. And I'm like, oh, were we supposed to dress up for this? He's like, Cliff, we're talking our way back into the school. Like, what's your problem right now? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like, and I was like, you know, I don't own things. Like, I moved all my stuff in a grocery cart. Like, what do you want about? So we're like bickering. We go in there. And it's there's this board of stoic, ancient men, 
right? Like Christian scholars, how dare you defecate on the cross of our Lord, right? Like they were real <laughs> mad about it and they did not like dicks to the wind and I get it, okay? So they we're having this conversation, it's going nowhere. And at one point I mentioned, I was like, I felt it was slightly disproportionate in a, in ultimately when the school's mandate and the religion's mandate is forgiveness, right? And like, I was having a hard time with that messaging. And I was like, you know, my, my father cut off child support because uh, this gave him a loophole. And I think that's uh, really shitty to have these added consequences on for something that I believe is in my control, believe I can be redemptive for, and something I think I can turn around. Like, I actually, like, I have a willingness to want to, like, be uh, not, not as much of not a... Be naked. I, yeah, not be such a shithead, right? Like, let me try and not be a shithead. <laughs> I was 19. Let me try to be... It took me years to not be a shithead. I'm still, like, kind of oppressing it off a bit. But, like, you know, and so I was like, give me that chance. And this one guy, he was like... Like, he just starts shaking his head. He's like, I, he's like, he, it was a sore point for him. This idea of, and I don't want to call my father a deadbeat father. He used those words that the guy I was talking to, like, I guess he experienced a deadbeat father. I wouldn't say that about my dad. I'd say that was a moment of conflict, but I wouldn't call him that. Right. So, um, but there was, I hit a nerve. I hit a nerve in that conversation. And he saw that, like, there was just this guy being left to drown and, like, earnestly wanted to figure it out. So I got that second chance. And I ended up leaving on my own accord about a year and a half later. But, like, still, like, you know, for me at that point in my life, my reputation and my community was completely tarnished. That was the first time that happened and not the last. Right? And so it's one of those things where, like... I I don't know how much, and this may be getting too hippy dippy for your audience, but like sometimes, like when you're the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, right? If there if you put some trust into it, I kind of believe I was being primed early for being able to take on big challenges later on in life. I think I like you know I grew up kind of fast from that whole experience. And it kind of tossed me to look at people differently. Like, um, you know, we're talking about Survivor. I'm not sure if you've seen this show yet. But there's a show on Netflix called Outlast. Okay? Yeah. So it's Survivor on Basalts. All right? So basically, they put people in the Alaskan wilderness. The only rule is that you have to win in a team. But then there's no rules. And the whole thing goes to Lord of the Fly shit. Like, people are sabotaging, taking sleeping bags and make people try to freeze overnight. It's insane. And then they're coming out afterwards, and, like, some two uh, contestants are being very vilified for their uh, behavior on there. And everyone's like, how could you do that? How could you be evil? And it's a game with no rules, right? So it's like right. asking a gladiator that goes in the Roman Coliseum, how dare you kill your opponent, right? right. Like, uh, it's an interesting conversation, but for me... I see those two people as people that have a lot that wasn't seen in the edit. People that you, we don't see any of their regrets, any of their chances of like, seeking forgiveness, their self-reflection. You know, we don't get to see the full person and we don't get to be in anyone else's experience. That shows a really good example of that because I can empathize for the worst people in that show. I can look right. at the worst people and go, no, 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 they're capable people. They're being fierce and scary apex predators in a game that was very much predator and prey. And it's scary yeah. to witness that when you're looking at other people. But if you view it as an education and not as just another part of your entertainment rotation, you might actually learn something about people if you kind of see it from their perspective. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing with shows like Survivor and, you know, like the show that you just mentioned out last. Um, you know, the biggest thing that, that I got out of those is just learning how people's personalities work. Yeah, it's, well, those are the first, like, dude. Survivor was, like, the first, like, show that showed us what emotional intelligence looked like in action, right? right. Like, we could, we could see someone persuade in real time. We could see someone deflect attention in real time. Like, literally, like, these things that require internal skills. We would yeah. watch it. And it wasn't until, like, until, like, the seasons of, like, in the 30s, like, in the, like, until they were, like, over 30 seasons in that the words emotional intelligence were even mentioned on Survivor because no right. one knew what the fuck to call that thing. Exactly. It, it was all invisible to us until enough people started you know in that field started dissecting it and kind of showing what it is now it's a bit of a buzzword but the thing is is like uh for me emotional intelligence i i think what people are not understanding is that it can't be taught in the way that our system is it can be taught on survivor because you're because you're in this instant feedback environment right with real consequences you can do it in comedy right like anything that is a safe place to be unsafe in Right. Like those situations is actually how you learn emotional intelligence. You learn emotional intelligence by embracing being uncomfortable. That is how you learn. And you make right. real mistakes in real time and have to accept that in real time. You know, and like that, I think we are so comfortable, Tom, like we're, we're so comfortable that we are afraid to really just go, oh, my life my personality, my relationships, all of that would be better if I just had the wherewithal to accept that things don't get to be comfortable all the time. Yeah. And that would that that was honestly a big difference, you know, in my life and that I've seen in many people's lives is that until people, you know, fully understand that, you know, it's it's literally two different lives that you live because before, you know, being ignorant to that um you know just not really believing in anything emotionally like just not necessarily not believing in emotional intelligence but not really digging too deep into it um but it's beautiful when you finally do it's yeah. beautiful when you finally dig into your own emotional intelligence you get comfortable with being uncomfortable you put yourself in situations that you know two or three years ago you know that you would never have even thought about putting yourself into that situation and it's good to see the final product of what you get out of that and the knowledge that you gain because, you know, for me, following that straight line, because I was smart as hell in high school, following that straight line and, you know, going into college and everything, college was the first, I think, real experience in life where I just didn't want to do that shit anymore. Yeah. I wanted to just go venture out and be my own person. And that's that's basically what I got out of college, which is why I'll never really shit on the experience that I had in college. Yeah, for sure. That's what it really it, it kind of it put me front and center with my own emotional intelligence and how my emotions really worked and got me asking myself those uncomfortable questions. And yeah. that's in my opinion, that's what life is all about. And it sucks that some human beings don't get that until it's like you know, they they retire from that job that they had for 30 years um, and they're like 50 now and they're going through their big life journey. I'm so glad that I get to go through this life journey at the age of 24 rather than, you know, 54. Well, and now now you get to attach some hope on that for your daughter because I bet you she's exactly. going to learn it way younger. You know, and I, like, that's why, like, I 
that's why I made that a point that point where I agree with public schooling to a certain extent because if it's up to me, I don't want her attending public school. I'd rather I'd rather have her go to either private school or be homeschooled. Yeah. Um. Just be just because like I want to teach her all this stuff, and I know she won't get taught an actual regular the way it is public school. I know there's going to be changes over time because mm. more human beings are feeling this way that you know school needs to be something more beautiful. Um. Because learning is beautiful, and that's yeah. what I don't like about public schools is that. Like they make they make learning a disgusting, gross laborious. Thing. Like they make kids like my they kid make hates kids it. not want to go to school. Yeah, my and, my kid like, hates it. That, yeah, and, and that that's how I felt, and I'm glad I felt that when I was going to school. Like I felt like learning should be just so much more, not only more, but just beautiful. Like learning should be a good, fun thing because when you go to, you know, the real life, the biggest thing that you need to have is you need to be a student of the game whatever game that you're playing you need to be able yeah. to learn and want to learn but we get that taken away from us at such a young age that it's kind of that's why you don't see so many success stories of people that kind of ventured off the path um, because the path and, and the way it is it takes all the fun and everything out of learning I love that perspective that learning should be beautiful. Like, I honestly think if we all had that perspective, we'd be looking at this so much different. It wouldn't be about making them learn so that way they exhibit civil dis civil obedience, right? Like, which I very much right. believe is the overarching theme of a lot of educational systems. But that's neither here nor there. Where what I think is what you talked about, like being you want to be a student of the game you're playing, is that like right. Well, in order to be a student of the game you're playing, you need to know which game you want to play. You need to have options. Exactly. You need to have a variety of experiences that lets your soul speak for itself. Like you kind of need that and we don't provide it. So that to me is right. where I'm like, I like, I feel like I agree with you so much that learning should be beautiful. And that's kind of like why I love comedy, man, because like in comedy, like in improv there's they have uh, there's a few mantras right like you're familiar with like yes and right you say yes to someone and then you add to them it's a great life philosophy it's like say yes to the opportunities that come and put your best foot forward to make it happen like that's a great philosophy but one of the ones that's not talked about often is that there is no mistakes like so when yeah. you're doing improv you actually just have to believe in that reality that there's no mistakes. Even when you clearly have made a mistake, you said the wrong thing, you flubbed the joke, you made it, your scene harder for your partner, you weren't there as a team. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. But when you're in the mindset that there's no mistakes, everyone instantly forgives. Everyone instantly is assuming positive intent. And that's just not a thing that we like, we see regularly. And I see it in comedy every time I watch it. Yeah, and that was that was a huge, huge life lesson as well. Was the looking at mistakes differently, and my friend uh, Kem, who's also um, a part of the podcast group that we have. What's up? Um, he said he said it best. <laughs> he said it best. Um, you know, he doesn't call mistakes mistakes. He just calls them experiences. Yeah. Um, because that that's the thing. Like my biggest motto in life is, you know, we. The key to success is getting up one more time than you fall. Literally. That's all it is. Yeah. Because yeah, it's an yeah, even yeah. number. We get down, we get back up. We get down, we get back up. We get down, we get back up. But the last time, you know, you got to make sure it's getting back up because you just need to do it one more time than you fall. And that that's kind well, of the biggest thing. And let me ask you yeah. a quick question. 
Yeah, yeah. What are if you could pick, you know, three things that all humans, you know, aim for, like as a collective, what are the three things we aim for in life? And money is not one of the answers. No, money is not one of the answers. Honestly, like I think the biggest answer is community. Um, I think that we okay. are our species. Uh, like I thrives off of. Uh, a bit of tribalness, right? Like this idea of union. tribes, yeah. union. We learn from each other. Literally, like our how you as a we're always trying human, to build a team to do some shit. Yeah, yeah and we're always trying. And the th- and the thing is, is like even what we're doing right now is a sense of community, right? Because we're ha- we're opening ourselves up to each other to share parts of our lives, to share our ideas. We even disagreed quite maturely. You know what I mean? Like I, that kind of stuff people need to see, be a part of, be able to add to those conversations. I think community, the more you foster a really, uh, and what I mean by fostering good community is not fostering like, uh, like a quote unquote, well-behaved community, like a church or an education board or something like that. I'm talking right. about a community that, um, accepts each other's mistakes and tries to create systems and resources to help people get through it, right? Like creating real support within each other. So to the other three things, like so community, and then I would attach education, right? Because like I just think the way we learn is, is it crazy to say that like of all the experience of all the human learning that we maybe just be at the tip of the iceberg now, like in 2023? Because, like, we just created AI systems that are going to create a, a super intelligence that beats all of us. And we made this thing. And But what will that do to us? It's going to leave us a lot of room to learn and grow differently. Like, I honestly am telling you, yeah. I don't think we've touched the tip of education, brother. Like, I honestly, the I was way we teach say each that, other things. That, like, that's why I was going to, like, disagree. Because I thought, like, what you were saying was that we've reached the tip of the iceberg. Which oh, no, I'm we haven't. The, we haven't. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm on, the si- I'm on the side of, of you know, you. Like, we haven't even reached that, that tip yet. Yeah, there, we're there's just not even, there yet. There's so, many, there's so many things that us little people don't even know about the world to begin with. Um, that all the higher elites and all the, you know, the government officials and everything know about, you know, the countries and the world that we don't know. So that, that's a whole big other thing. And then you got space, you got the sea. And then, like you said, the the new scenario where we created AI to be smarter than us, not, you know, not understanding how that could affect us. But then in return, we're going to have to learn a whole lot more and how to advance our species and the evolution of us so that that doesn't necessarily happen. You know, AI takes over and all that good stuff. Well, um, you know, but- we... If we didn't use rocks and sticks as tools, we wouldn't have made fire, right? Like, exactly. like exactly. Uh, humans do really well with tools. We're, we're kind of killer at it, you know. So it's like, right? It, we're, we're pretty. We're pretty okay at we're it. We're pretty. Yeah. We're pretty fantastic. <laughs> Jesus was a carpenter for a reason, right? Like, like he, he knew. Um, he was like, yeah, give me that saw, bro. <laughs> I just realized he was a carpenter and he died on wood. Yeah, that's, that's weird. That's gonna be a good quote. Give me that saw, bro, and then just. <laughs> well, I just had that thought. I'm like, oh, Jesus was a carpenter, and he died on two planks of wood. That's crazy. Like, like, like he, he, he talk about being the author of your own story. That guy, but like, <laughs> but God what, was what, working a nine to five that day on his own son. <laughs> what, what I want to like kind of clobber down on what you're saying is like, yes, like 
when you have like like right now with like money and power dynamics and domain being what it is right a lot of people try to control tactics it's really unfortunate right it's really unfortunate that we turn on our own that humans hurt humans it's the shittiest situation in the world so that's why when i look at things like community education and the third one i would give would be contribution that we all want to be contributing meaningfully to what's within our skill set and what we can grow towards i i honestly think those are the three main drivers and if we were to nurture those things if we just nurtured community just nurtured education just nurtured contribution i think we'd be in a better situation not a worse situation that's kind of my thoughts on it i love that so your your answer is a little bit different from mine but you're gonna see the one similarity which is why I asked this question hoping that there would be that one similarity and, and we got it and, and you'll see it, which, which is why I love. So my thing, um, my opinion on this, you know, the three things that human all, humans all look to do is one, feel love. Like not, not necessarily give love or receive love, but actually feel love. Like we all want to feel love for something. Like we all want to, you know, love another person, uh, love what we're doing, love doing something, whatever it is. Second thing would be to see, and that's to see the world. I mean, I'm pretty, I mean, not a lot, not an overwhelming amount of us want to travel, but we want to see, we want, we want to see life. We want to see what that experience, that journey is. We just want to see. And the third thing is we want to know, we want to know, and we want to learn, which is why, you know, our one point of each of our things correlate is because it's learning. Dude, like every all human th- wants all to three learn. points coordinated. All three points coordinated because what 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 do you where do you think love comes from, bro? Communities build love. That's where you meet the there person at the dance. Where you know what do you, where you meet your new best friend. That's like fair. like that that's literally what I'm talking about. How do you see things? Right, like you see things by learning about it, going forward, and contributing to the thing you want to go do. Like we're literally yeah. like t- we're we're aligned right across the board, brother. Yeah. And, and that's why like to, to tie it all the way back to the educational system, that's why I hate that we kind of, if there's one thing that we learn in school, it's we learn to hate education. I mean, obviously there's yeah. a couple of us that end up really diving into the books and, you know, be straight A student and I love this shit. I love learning. And, um, but there's also those people that are dived into the books and get A pluses that absolutely hate that. They're just doing it because basically their parents have a gun to their head, not a literal gun to their head, but a figurative, you know, gun yeah, to their yeah. head. Like you have to get a good education or, um, but that, and, and that's what I really, I hate that. Cause those again, are learning. If those I are expectations, learn all right? stuff that I've learned through life, I, I don't know. And, and now I just, I love learning now because of everything that happened. And I wish that for more people. Well, you know, it's funny. I so when I'm when I'm performing stand up right now, have I been doing jokes about my experience at Shopify? I cannot confirm or deny. You'll have to come to a live show. <laughs> but but what I will say about my time there is they I learned how to learn. It was a skill that I didn't have up to that point in my life is my early 30s. And so I went through a long time really not knowing how to teach myself things, not knowing how to be self-reliant or resourceful and I ended up one of my last positions before I got the old boot was I was uh, in a learning and development team for their fulfillment network. I was learning about supply chains, shit I know nothing about. I was learning about learning modules and like all these different ways and theories to uh, do corporate training and all this kind of stuff. It was 
I didn't have any education in it. Most of the people on my team had their bachelor's or master's in something. And I was just this. Right. And the, and the funny thing is, is like, uh, I was a great member of that team because of how different I was. Right. Like they like, found me very refreshing uh, up to the point until they fired me. And then they were like, oh, we're done with this refreshment. We're OK. But like uh, I, the funniest thing, too, I got to share the story with you, bro. I think you'll love it because like so just like this, this is how I got fired. When you work from home, you're going to get fired from home. And I'm in my underwear. Right. So I'm sitting here like this. I, I think I'm going to sales meetings. So like I put on my best boxer briefs that day, you know, and I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I end up in a meeting like this. And there's two people about to tell me that you don't get to work here anymore. And uh, we, there's this weird lingering moment of where you're like, do you have any questions, anything you say, that kind of thing? Like, you know, it, it's not like quite like Moneyball where like just give you the contract and tell you to go to the other baseball team, you know, but <laughs> it's not like that. So they gave me some time to talk and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. I'm leaving respectfully. I'm not going to have a big fight about this or nothing. Right. But I have been here for three years and you know how much I love survivor. And this was your opportunity to literally vote me out with a piece of parchment. And you did not do that. Do you know how much you could have surprised and delighted my soul? I would have told everyone that until the, cows came home that i got voted at a shopify that would have made me so internally happy no i would love to get fired like that i'm not gonna lie no and so here's a crazy concept can you delight someone that you're giving bad news to right like that like for me they put they couldn't get away with that with anyone and i'm sure someone would complain i would have found that very funny right i would have loved that that would have I would have been talking about that to uh, to everyone because, like, it's something like that that's like, oh, man, I don't get to work for you anymore, but you saw who I was. And a lot right. of the complaints for these big companies is you're just a number, you're just a cog, you're just used and discarded, and, like, and that's that's valid. People feel that way. I have felt that way, right? But I'm trying to look for the – the deeper things. That's what you do as a comedian, as jokes. You try to dig in and you corkscrew into a thing. And I, and I, I found the whole situation funny. Just the thought that the person firing me could have also been in her underwear. Right? Like, <laughs> like did, were, we were just two people in an underwear. One person doing their job and the other losing his. Like, is that what just happened? <laughs> What just happened? Like, no, you know what? I, if we went back to the 1960s and explained that a woman from America fired me over a video box, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right? Oh and like, they'd God. be like, that makes no sense. And that's what I'm saying. If, if times change drastically, people adapt to the times. If we have an open mind about things aren't black and white, they're most likely gray. Things are most likely not this or that. It's usually somewhere in the middle. Right. Like if we can just become a more nuanced society, I think we can accept each other a little bit better. If we accept each other a little bit better, I think I think this thing becomes a little gravy. I think we start like uh, evening out a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? And I yeah, I, I absolutely agree, man. Um, I mean, unfortunately, we won't get that uh, just because, you know, you know, the way the media is. Media has a nice little grip over humanity. the media is too busy playing survivor and they're shit at it shit oh uh, but they're at the same time it. they they do i think they they do well with you know the people that kind of buy into it which sucks that sucks because um, like you know it, it's constant division i see i see why the media does what they do it's shitty and it sucks but 
they they keep everyone divided so that not everyone comes together and realize how bullshit everything is. Yeah, <laughs> like that, I think like that's like the biggest like goal for them is just to make sure nobody sees how much bullshit they're actually, you know, bullshitting with. It, it, but... it feels it feels very weak, right? Because it's like, how scared are you lately? You know, especially like something like a publication like the New York Times. You're you're like this right. mega monolith that so many people respect. Why wouldn't you do due do, do diligence and just ride off of being a respected institution? It just seems like going through exploitation strategies uh, is beneath you. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think you're better than that. I think you are so uh, such a well-oiled machine in a sense that if you really took that personal responsibility the same way an individual would that's trying you know like uh, an alcoholic trying to get sober or like a sex addict trying to recover from the, you know like if they literally had that mentality of recovery like a recovery mentality like oh we have to recover the way we've treated our readers and the way we've treated our listeners we have to recover the way we've misguided people maybe take some ownership over this they're not the only one to do it they're just the ones that do it so openly blatantly right so they're just an easy target but like it's one of those things where it's like um i i do think that if a just one one giant institution like that did that the others would respond competitively like they go oh they're about to get more trust they're about to right. get more trust because they just they just put it all on the table they admitted that they were pieces of shit and they're trying to start over today right and then then and then their headlines start reflecting that it's less fear-mongering and it's more information and like it's like oh shit and then everyone else is like oh my god people are turning they they like this thing again because they they've hit a point of redemption if there's anything we like seeing people go through hell to you know get out clean the other side we we fucking love it love that right so you're telling me there's not an actual market advantage for companies to stop doing this i actually believe there is i actually believe they can make money off of being better i i 100 believe that and yeah and it it's kind of yeah. like I I 110% agree with that because it's like I said, like when I was working at Spectrum and everything was just so shitty and everything, I like I saw like I, I like I just I just saw like how things could be better and how it was better was just by it's exactly what you said just just apologize and just say you're gonna do better and just start treating people the way they should be treated and I promise everything will just be fine you know yeah but and just like... just go through the recovery like if you if you need me to walk you through the steps I'll, I'll help you the amends is the hardest one um I, I want to tell you this because uh kind of what we're getting to here is this idea that when things are about profit when things are about money when things are about image that it, it's a very unkind way to exploit other people exploit and the thing is is like when you talk about the people that are exploited by these institutions i look at it as a learning graph and that their learning curve where they are on the curve is just a little lower and so there's like an exploitation point where if you're under a certain point of education you're more likely to be exploited right and so like i and like and i almost feel like it goes the opposite way too if you're like too much ego or too full of yourself or too full of your own ideas or too self-righteous that you'll also have the same amount of blinders as someone with a lower education because you didn't actually get the education of being open-minded or being able to be non-judgmental or things like that right so when i think about kindness i think kindness is such a flowery word for one of the most difficult concepts because to really understand kindness, to really, 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 really get this, 
like I look at it this way. Like I'm, I told you my passion for comedy. I told you what I'm trying to build. I told you how much I care about this, but guess what? There's comedians who don't like me. There's comedians who won't want to work with me. I I'm fighting for comedians and they may not want to fight back. You know what I mean? They may not want to fight with or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And what am I supposed to do is does kindness say, Oh, I opened the door to be kind or I opened the door to be thanked. Like, what are you doing this? And if you can come to the point where you go, actually, I'm going to be kind, no matter if people are kind back to me or not, it doesn't matter. Their, their kindness or diskindness will not be a measurement of my actions. That is kindness. And that is really hard to accept because then you have to stand there and going, oh, things maybe aren't working out the way I wanted or um, people have a perception of me that I believe is untrue. None of that matters. What matters is that you're in the present doing what you can with what you got. And I honestly think that like, if we were to understand that kindness is practical, that if we all did that, if we all kind of assume positive intent and we're exhibiting kindness and accepted that others aren't going to respond the way we want them to, then it's a much better situation. You'll actually find the people that really fuck with you. They really fuck with you. You know, they want to, yeah. they're going to ride or die with you. You, you go back to survive. You're going to have a good alliance, you know what I mean? <laughs> but like, none, and, the, and those are the people that end up creating some really special things in this world. And you can do it with a small amount of people like, um, Joey Diaz, uh, he's a comedian in America, and one of his quotes is, it only takes three badass motherfuckers to take over a country. And uh, Yeah, that, that quote right there. Yeah. I, I, that quote always it made me believe in the power of small teams. It made me believe in the power of grit, of wanting to get it done. And uh, a lot of people don't realize, like, if you got a real big goal, you don't have time to resent. Do you think uh, soldiers have time to resent each other when they're in the fucking mix? No, no, no. And that, right? That's oh, that's such a good point. And that, and and it goes right back to you know my learning point. Um, and and it also ties into you know when you said uh, oh God, sorry the the point is so good. This conversation is so good. Um, but it goes back into you know learning, and you know for me it's like. When we go through all these things in life, you know, having the ability to just sit back and, and think and learn from them, they're not mistakes, they're experiences, you're failing forward. That's that's basically what just picking your shit up from. Uh, yeah, we make mistakes, but if you actually analyze it and you learn from it, you can just pick up your shit and you just keep moving. Every time you make a mistake, that's that's basically the big thing, especially for me, because the last yeah. the last three years, it's just been a, ever since I became a father and I've had a, you know, a beautiful daughter to, to raise and do everything for. It's just been a constant, you know, sprint. And if I stop at any time, everything falls apart. So, you know, when mistakes are made and, and bad things happen or situations that are out of con out of my control happen, the best thing that I'm able to do is just sit there, analyze it, learn and move on. Because like you said, Cliff, we, yeah. we, make, we make mistakes, but as long as we have good positive intent of, you know, behind the moving forward, we can accomplish a lot. And I, I, I've, I've learned I, I really that. believe it, man. I really, really believe it. I also just want to add that if anyone's listening and is like, yo, I kind of want to get to that point, but I'm not sure how to get there. Let's have a quick conversation of how to resourcefully do this. Like yeah. we start off, we're going to go to Google and you're going to Google um, mental frameworks different ways of thinking 
Like these are use these kind of search terms yeah. and then go through, open a bunch of tabs and read stuff that you like. Find the authors on Twitter, follow them on Twitter, follow books on the subjects, and listen to them on Audible, find podcasts that those authors have been on and listen to them on Spotify. Right. Like they they we have resources. We have YouTube. We have all these things available to us. You just have to say yes to these resources yeah. right you have to be willing to go and look and don't resort to oh i can't do that i don't know where to start like just start start with google and like i'm trying to be really practical there because honestly thomas like i love having these conversations but sometimes i think that's where people struggle they don't know where to start yeah you know and honestly the the biggest like for me and i know i keep saying for me for me for me i sound like a broken record but for me, like the the first place to start is your mistakes, your yeah. your failures, and that's and that's kind of the the hugest biggest point is that if you can make mistakes, um, if you can have your failures, and I'll keep throwing quotations around it because I just I love I fell in love with failing because it just it teaches you so much about yourself, it teaches you so much about life because if you were to just succeed, 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 you're gonna come across a failure and you're not even gonna really know you know, how to really react to it. it's going to be a lot more devastating than if you just didn't learn from your mistakes uh, moving forward. But Absolutely. And like, I do kind the of starting point, man, is making those mistakes, doing the uncomfortable, doing what you got to do and just learning. Always have a learning mind. No, absolutely. And like, I, I can see that we're most likely wrapping this up soon. So I want to kind of leave you on a story about mistakes, if that's okay. Because I feel like this will kind yeah. of bring a lot home of what we're talking about. Um, but like, you know, I've been performing stand up for 14 years. And one of the uh, biggest, biggest like failures, whatever you want to call it, right? Like for me, was I got the chance to open for like a, a fairly prominent Canadian comedian. And it was about 3000 people. And this was in where I was living in Hamilton. This was going to be a huge experience. I was really, I thought it was going to be the deal breaker for me. Like, I was like, yo, let's go. This is going to be amazing. Maybe I can tour with this guy. And then I went on stage and I heard what 3,000 people sound like silent. Yeah, kind of like that. Right? Not quite. It hurts a little more. You know, like, I, I, bombed, I bombed so bad that I heard 20 minutes of pin pin drops. And then I brought the guy on stage. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. So I'm like, Oh fuck this. I, I snuck out the back. I didn't want anyone to see me. And I went to this local shawarma place. Uh, there's a shawarma poutine. And uh, like, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drown in this thing. I eat so much shawarma poutine. I'm going to fucking die. And I'm just <laughs> like, okay, and I'm going to die in this thing. And this, this guy writes shawarma. me on Twitter. This guy writes me on Twitter and he goes, uh, Cliff, where are you? I was just at the show. I want to get a picture with you. And I was like, oh, I guess he wanted a picture with me on my last day on earth before I throw myself off a bridge. I see. Okay. So <laughs> like this guy, I write him on my story, man. I went to get shawarma. All the best. I'm glad you like the show. You know, like I move on. So I'm coming out of the shawarma place. This dude runs up with his girlfriend. Man, I got to I got to see you. I, like, I, I'm so sorry. I just want, I really wanted a picture with you if that's okay. And I'm like, I got to ask you why. I just really ate shit up there, and I don't know what's happening right now. And he's like, oh, he's like, yeah, yeah, that was not your crowd for sure, bro. And then I realized, like, yeah, it was 3,000 people that were there for him, and it turned out that there was two people there that were there for me. 
right? And like I and they're not going to be very loud in in the three thousand people, right? And it's one of those things where it gave me a bit of perspective. And the very next night, I was in a Polish hall basement performing for about one hundred and fifty people. I went right back on stage, and I went and did it, and I loved it. And I was comfortable calling myself a comedian at that time because yeah. like, I felt like I experienced this big failure, this thing that I thought would have helped my career and it hurt so bad, but my soul d- was disagreeing with that. My soul went, no, you got to show tomorrow. You got to get back on stage. You have no choice. Yeah. Literally what you said, like if you fall down, you just have to get back one more time. And like, I, I tell everyone, like whatever it is you're going through, you close your eyes, you picture whatever your 3,000 silent people is, right? Whatever that is, understand that that experience was one thing for you and something different for everyone else in that room. You have some people that didn't like it. You have some people that will chase you to a shawarma shop, right? Like, And then uh, the next day, though, is what you, that's where it matters. What, what are you going to do now? Are you going to give up? You're going to give up because right. it felt bad? Because either way, the sun is going to shine. The moon's going to be there. Life goes on for everybody, but... You know, it's it's about picking your shit up and keep on going. What did you learn? And, and it's beautiful that you said that. And you saw, like, that guy, at, like, said a simple, like, one simple sentence, which was, ah, oh, that wasn't your crowd. Because that's exactly what it was. It just what It's not that you were a terrible com- uh, comedian. It's not that you were just horrible at what you do. It just was not your crowd. And instead of you feeling horrible like you were like ah, i suck you know yeah yeah of course yeah like he kind of just said that one little thing like oh that just wasn't your crowd and you were just like dude that next summer that like right after that experience like so imagine i gave up that night if i gave up that night and i never went back into comedy i would never be here having this conversation with you right and uh, later on that summer, about two months later, I would have never heard what it sounded like to hear 6,000 people laugh. So I knew right. what 3,000 people sound like silent, but then I got to experience what 6,000 people sound like that laughing. The thrill of 6,000 people laughing must have been... It was a cool experience. It was a rock show. It was really neat, right? And like that kind of stuff is what I'm saying is like you get these opportunities in life and they teach you these really great things. And then like you're not sad that it's gone. You're glad that it happened, right? And like for me, like I, if I never had that early expulsion experience, I don't know if I would try to look at things so like, you know, every sided. But like I do try to take that approach to most things now. And I'm an open book too. So if anyone ever wants to hit me up online, like on the Instagram or whatever, and just talk about the shit, I love it. I love supporting other people, other creatives, encouraging others to do this stuff. It, it means a lot to me. And it means a lot that we're able to have this yeah, conversation. Go, so I, I appreciate it, man. Hell yeah. And go go ahead and plug your uh your company, man. You've been you've been talking about your company. I, w- I was going to segue into it like way earlier, but tell us the oh, name. Oh, it's all good. We can find it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, run a, I run a company called The Other Comedy Company where we facilitate corporate training and all of our facilitators are professional comedians and improvisers. So it's two hours of gamified improv that help get you closer to your goals or get over blockers that might have been holding you back or holding your team back. So we do this for sales, leadership, and support. And honestly, it's awesome. We also do like 
private shows, special events, and all that kind of stuff. But the big thing that we're working on right now is our corporate training product, and we're just super stoked about it. And it's that continually learning how to do it better, how to connect, and all the feedback that we get from our clients really helps us form what we're creating and doing too, right? So like, it's it's been a really great experience. That's theothercomedy.co online if you want to hit it up. And that's the website, correct? Yes, correct. Do you have a Instagram handle or a TikTok yeah, handle, it, anything like that? It's other Comedy Co., but I'm actually somehow I'm blocked out of that account at the moment, and I haven't been able to figure it out. And I'm literally like, oh my god, I am the worst business founder. Like I can't get into my Instagram. <laughs> so like, you can follow me. I'm at Clifford Myers. Clifford like the big red dog. Myers like the serial killer. And uh, <laughs> that helps you at all. But like I uh, and like I'm hoping to get that up and running soon because we just started doing some uh, campaigning on LinkedIn and that kind of thing. So uh, I definitely want to start creating more content and we will be doing the other comedy podcast this year. So that's going to be really exciting. I love that, man. I love that. Um, so, you know, real quick, I had a question for you. I asked yeah. all my guests this. So just have a good imagination here, right? All right, namaste. So, I'm ready. You're sitting there in an arena. You don't know your opponent yet. Okay. Huh? But you have the option. All of a sudden, you know, a screen comes down and says, "Choose your opponent." You get two options. You get either two Hillary Clinton-sized chickens or huh? thirty chicken-sized Hillary Clintons. <laughs> and you got to choose to fight one. <laughs> all right two hillary sized chickens is terrifying but like the idea of chicken sized hillary's like i'm not even like i wasn't like i never picked a side on that shit like i whatever right like i'm a canadian so like (laughs) i don't have a dog in that fight but like i uh how It sounds so bad to say this. Like, the idea of punting a bunch of little Hillary's. I want to do the same to Trump. Both of them. If I just, like, hoop them like beanbags. <laughs> if I can play hacky sack with Hillary Clinton. Yo, you want to go inside and play Hillary hacky? Like, yeah, Hillary sack? Are you fucking kidding me? Of course I want to do that. <laughs> I actually, Thomas, you're right. We need to shrink all politicians so we can play hacky sack with their bodies. I actually believe in this very Let's much. Let's go. So. I contributed uh, to society, dude. No, this wow, is where like, it all began. You gave, me, you gave the best answer to that because normally, like, I get into argument. I asked that question on purpose so that I could have like a satirical argument with people because people really are like. Well, yeah, it'd be a lot easier to fight the the 30. But like, you don't want to challenge. You don't want to like fight two huge ass chickens to the death and just see what happens. Like, cause imagine your, your headstone uh, says like died after a courageous fight with the two biggest chickens on the fucking planet. <laughs> two giant chickens. I don't know, man. Like, that's the thing. Like it's more embarrassing. Okay. Well, like, here's the thing. Like, what's the better victory, right? I think the better victory is the less embarrassing death. It would be more embarrassing to be killed by 30 little Hillary's. Like, they all oh, climb yeah. me like Gulliver Travels. Like, Imagine I wouldn't like that. Imagine that video, like, viral on the internet. Just you oh, yeah. And then it's like, oh, 
30 little chicken Hillary's kill Clifford Myers. Like, what a shitty way to go. I should have died with my cat that day on shrooms. Are you kidding me right now? Now I'm surrounded by a bunch of little Hillary chickens? No, thank you. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Like, that's 30 <laughs> little humans. So, like, when people say that, I'm like, well, what if, what if you, you know, you can't just sit there and count out 30. So 25 could come running out of one of the entrances. And, you know, you're distracted with them. You're putting them. You're fucking strangling well, them and throwing them. And the way the I would come from behind and just, like, grab your ass or something, you know? I would design the arena to have piping across so Hillary's are coming out of different pipe entrances. That oh, would God. make it more complicated. The strategy, then, would be to center, right? Yeah. And create a – basically create my own zone. I would call it the punt zone, right? Get them in, punt them out. Get them in, punt them out. But what if, you, what if you hurt your leg on one of those punts? Then you drop to your knee, you call them Kaepernick, they're skulls. Okay. All right. Listen, man, I, I enjoyed this conversation because, listen, I'm, I'm white six times a week, and then there, there's one day where I'm just white as fuck. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I stare out the window a little bit more. I read a newspaper. I judge people in weird ways. You know, I eat mayonnaise sandwiches. I yap Dude, at my wife. You know, stop that, it. That, stop me. being white, please. I've been <laughs> like, it's I've just one day out of the week. I'm white as fuck. Oh, you okay. got it. You got to give yourself that period to really just lock into your caucasity. <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard for sure but i appreciate the absurdity <laughs> this is my encouragement to you clifford <laughs> yeah that's so funny man uh no this has been a really great experience i'm glad you did this podcast with me brother yeah hell yeah man i i definitely appreciated it um you know we're i'm i'm gonna don't worry guys if, if you love this conversation i will convince clifford to come on here a little bit more often uh, yeah I, be fun. I really fully enjoyed this if you guys liked it, make sure you guys like, subscribe, share, sell your souls to us. Shout out to Belgium, by the way. They're still following us. Um, and make sure you guys follow all of uh, Clifford's handles as well because he's got a really good idea that I truly believe you know should get as much uh, support as it deserves. So with that being said, thank you guys for watching. Have a good night. Have a good day whenever you end up watching this.